Ladies and gentlemen, John Abikas and Jordan Abitas, welcome to Worldie. It's time for episode 22 of Worldly and Back Like the Renegade Master. It's Andy Roberts. Hello. Yeah, there he is. Right? Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> another week of footing balls Christ. has taken place and another defeat on the cards for the use. This whole football thing's shit, isn't it? Yeah, I'm st- I'm still I'm still harking back to the uh, the times of of like three weeks ago where you were all well up for it. It's it it is it's it's more content <laughs> for the podcast <laughs> when we're abject and shit. Yeah. Um. Although I do very much miss yeah about three or four weeks ago when I was talking effusively and enthusiastically um, about our potential future. Uh, we talked on the last one about whether or not whether or not that was that we were just in a blip, but no, it was very clear that that yes. good bit was a blip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the uh, the table, the form table, is certainly starting to tell that story. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into all of that nonsense in a little bit, uh, and we'll talk about uh, another reasonable result for the Royals getting uh, an away draw at high flying Brentford. Rub my nose in that. <laughs> um, should have been a win. We'll we'll talk about that. Uh, but first of all, we will head. All the way down to League Du. Which 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 is horribly feels like what we're about to do. As well. <laughs> Taking a long old journey down to League Two. Well, you'll you'll probably be playing we could probably pick the ten teams in the middle of the table to say you'll be playing them, but otherwise we don't know. Because it is all still pretty much up in the air. The top eight teams not really sharing many points between them. Um and Lincoln continuing their charge to the top to prove us right by the end of the season. Yeah, because we, we've already given them the title, haven't we've we? We've given it to so, them, yeah. Um, the, the, the only the only possibility is that they do that thing where... You, and Oxford did this in our first season in the conference where we actually went a third of the season unbeaten uh, to the point where the fans were, you know, hubristically singing, we are unbeatable, <laughs> we are unbeatable. Then we, we lost in the cup against Wickham, who were in League One at that point, I think. Yeah. Um, and then everything fell apart, and then we went on this horrendous <laughs> run of defeats. Um, um, and so there is a risk of that, isn't there? Once you've kind of got that momentum, that momentum builds, suddenly you get wobbled. One little tiny wobble could yeah. send them absolutely flying, like a gyroscope. Like um, a gyroscope. I mean, I don't think I don't see that happening. There, they've got their managers too good. They're 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 too well set. I think. John Akinder with now four goals this season. I mean, they ha- they've got twenty goals in the in the GD. Yeah, twenty. So plus no, twenty. 20. No, twenty-four. Seven against thirteen in the GD. Jesus, twenty-four goals. That's is that, how many ten, ten games is that in? That ten games, played? twenty goals, seven against. It's pretty good. To a game. I mean, you know, averaging two goals a game is, is absurd. Yeah, it's very nice. So they've now got four out of the last five. Uh, Newport County also uh, doing very nicely up there, picking up another home win 4-2 versus Cambridge United to keep them up in second place. And Exeter, who still kind of, they had that little nice run of three three games, but they've drawn again this weekend. So they are sitting in, in third that, I mean, that's still that's still a reasonable position for them to be in, isn't it? I mean, that's that's setting themselves up nicely. How are, how are Cambridge actually doing this season? Cambridge are finding themselves towards the bottom of the table. They're in twentieth at the minute. Uh, ten, uh, eight points from the ten games. Fair enough. Uh, and they've lost three of the last five, struggling a touch, I would say. 
Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, and it's good to see Northampton's down there. Northampton are down there with them as well, which is N- good. N- Nupton. 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 Yeah, Nupton. Yeah, Nupton. Yeah. Uh, we had a little bit of a, a whinge on our WhatsApp group this week about the short, the abbreviations that are used on, on television. Southampton being the one that really annoys me for some reason. Soton. Soton. Just really annoys me. Yeah, um, yeah. In, in Northampton, on the BBC website, they used to just have Nupton. Yeah. There was actually room because they would have the full name of Oxford United. <laughs> yeah. So, which meant there was room for Northampton, if yeah. not Northampton Town. But they, for some reason, they went Nupton. I also Nupton. think. I also think it's, it's 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 not fair when they put in a well-known nickname. Like they put Spurs in instead of saying Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. Like fuck you, put in Tottenham Hotspur. That's yeah. the name of the club. None of this nonsense. Do you know what? Just while while we're on the, that subject, one thing that really fucking annoys me yeah. is people in the professional sports media who refer to Manchester United as United. Yeah. Like I there's mean, only one. Yeah. And like I was. There's only United even in the same league. I was listening to Manchester United versus West Ham fucking United <laughs> on the radio, and one of the pundits kept referring to Man U as United. It's like it's it's like they're you know, Man U. Call them Man U for fuck's sake. If you want to abbreviate it, like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Talking of terrible things in the media this week, did you see Jeff Shreves? I did not. And his nightmare interview with I think it was uh, Lacazette of, of Arsenal. No, no, what happened? Well, he just said something like Lacazette said something like, "Oh, it's nice to get the clean sheets," but because he's got a bit of an accent, it sounded a little bit like <laughs> shit. And then Jeff Shreve basically called him out during a live interview. Jesus Christ. Fuck off, Shreves. He's a twat, though, isn't he? There was another great clip. I don't know if it was from this season, but it just I just saw it this week. Oh, no, it's not. No, sorry. I was getting Jeff Shreves mixed up with Gabriel Clark. Oh, both I, terrible. Yeah. Both yeah. terrible. There's one where they're interviewing Jurgen Klopp, and Klopp doesn't know who he's speaking to, right? Because obviously the managers do a lot of interviews. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's like, who is this? Who is this? And then Jeff Shreves is like, it's Sky Sports, mate. And, and, <laughs> and it's like... The game isn't about you, Shreves. Nobody fucking cares who you are. Yeah, Sky Sports believe that the fucking yeah. game is about. Them, I know. Though. He was like, it was. Oh, it was brilliant. Anyway, back to the back to the <laughs> back to League Two. The other team I'd like to mention this week uh, is a cheeky little team called Forest Green Rovers. Now we mention them most weeks, but this week I'm going to mention them because they're one of only two teams that haven't lost in the Football League so far this season, but they have drawn seven of their ten games. Well, the thing is, I mean, because you could theoretically... I mean, actually, they're doing, they're doing pretty well, aren't they? They're, they are. If in around the playoffs, I think, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, seventh position. Yeah, so, I mean, but you, you could... Well, in fact, you you could go undefeated all season and get relegated, right? If you drew all of <laughs> yeah, your yeah, games, yeah, you would get relegated. Well, you need 40-something points, don't you? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So you, you, um, well, you'd be fucking close. But, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, three just the three wins, but it's all about not losing. That makes all the difference. And, and it does make a difference. And, 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 and if, you're not, if, you're, if you're avoiding defeat, all you need tiny little changes to change a couple of those draws into victories, yeah. and then you're laughing. I think but, that's the key thing about form home and away as well. Like if you can afford to lose or draw those away games, if you're winning the majority of your home, yeah. Game. The um, the um, in, in a lot of those draws, and a lot of it will depend in terms of their their chances this season. It depends on whether or not they're scraping draws out of the jaws of defeat, yeah, or whether or not they are they they. They're, they nearly winning games, but kind of, but yes, but only, yeah, yeah. only managing to draw them. Because if it's that, turning those into victories actually be 
<laughs> relatively straightforward. <laughs> it's an easy thing to say, but but more better than if they were scraping, you know, draws out. Of yes, could yeah, yeah. Defeats. That could easily turn the other way. But well, this um, week they drew against Macclesfield, who we were discussing right at the bottom of the football league. Uh, they had lost four. Well, they they lost four in a row up until that draw. Yeah, and they, so they, a they, point is handy for them. And that's a that's by you know by their standards that's quite a good bounce back as well because they shipped eight in in the yeah. week against West Ham, didn't they? Yeah. In the Carabao Cup, so that's um, painful. Yeah, so that it, it, I think the manager was saying like this is this is the last thing we needed right now, yeah. um, which which you can kind of understand. Uh, but they. Yeah, so so they've come back and they've bounced back fairly well. There, yeah, and I think they, they've handed, with that draw, they've handed the crown of worst form in the Football League to Grimsby, who now take up 23rd place at the bottom of League 2, uh, who've lost all five on the bounce now. They've got one win, two draws, and seven losses from their 10 games. I, I'm going to be honest with you, I'd, I'd rather we didn't discuss who who's got the best <laughs> and worst form in the Football League, because, yeah. you know, in future weeks... Yes, know, this we, might we, become a, painful, yeah, a yeah. painful conversation. But that's how that's how lead two is shaping up in a minute another little word for Swindon whose form is uh, up and down but they're maintaining their spot in the middle of the league they're in ninth position well I mean I mean, as much as I can't stand the guy they have got a good manager in Phil Brown so I mean yeah. that's kind of fairly expected um, they another drew, red card yeah they did because they drew 0-0 to, to Oldham um, against Oldham rather and um, it was at home and uh, last minute of the game, well, in fact, like injury time, I think it was 94th minute, one of the, the Olden players got through, uh, broke through on the halfway line. There were two defenders tracking back. Um, one of the, the well, defensive player tracking back was Matty Taylor, and he just tripped him over. Uh, and he just went, fucking, they got to. Normal circumstances, you see a yellow card in that <laughs> yeah. situation, but the ref... Was it a dog's o? Um, well, I mean, he was on the halfway line, so it's difficult to say it's that because say, there was yeah. there was another defender about 10, 15 yards away kind of alongside him. Yeah. But I think it was the, the the circumstance of the game. It was basically the last attack of the game. I think the referees just said, that is, that's not on, basically. Yeah, yeah, there was also enough. a massive, like, fucking bunch of handbags and stuff going on afterwards as well. So I think that might have been part of it. Um but it was uh, it was quite funny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> he was their former manager as well. I mean, you've sorry, caretaker manager, player manager was Matt Taylor yes, before Phil okay. Brown came in. So, uh, just uh, one final word: uh, the the uh, hateable MK Dons uh, picked up a draw, and now they've got four draws and one loss in their last five. So it's nice to see them slowly heading down the table. Yeah, but just come back. Yeah. <laughs> On to League Uh. Yeah, well, that's the French one, isn't it? Yeah, the, the <laughs> yeah. League One. Yeah, huh? um, yeah. Do we have to? Well, I'm afraid we do, but we'll start at the top. Yeah, okay. Uh, we'll start at the top where Portsmouth are still going very strong. They have had a few draws of late, uh, but they picked up another win uh, this week, and uh, they're looking very, very, very strong. Uh, yeah, and I mean, go back to we we played them at Fratton Park, uh, second home, second away game in the season, I think it was, um, and you know, is 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 poor and ropey as we have been they they look like the real deal they look like a really strong side yeah. um they look like a Greg Pittman's a good player isn't he yeah uh, they scored again yeah they've um they've got in you know Kenny Jackett's a good manager I like just saying his name uh, as much as anything classic else. football name yeah. Kenny uh yeah so Portsmouth uh, three in the last three in the last five but two draws in there Peterborough uh, doing well as well. Peterborough absolutely banging the goals in twenty six goals in their ten uh, ten games this season. Yeah, uh, it's because they've spent a fuck ton of money on, on yeah. strikers, but um, which is something that is a that I might bring up later on. <laughs> well, Blackpool kept them to a draw uh, this week, uh, and that that fella whose name I can never pronounce scored for them. 
Nandwilay. Oh yeah, Armand Nandwilay. Yeah, yeah he, 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 we had him on loan very, very briefly. Oh, okay, he was shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think he played like maybe a half a game. Yeah, okay. If it, do you know if he even played at all? I might even be projecting that. I don't. I, yeah. Anyway, yeah, ridiculous. Accrington Stanley inexplicably doing quite well. Yeah. What's it, that all about? I, I mean, there's, there's. I don't know, like, you know, team spirit or something. Four I mean, wins, four, uh, five draws and a loss. Because they've got no money at all. Yeah. I mean, for, How are they doing this? It's very frustrating. Um, I don't know. They're, they're, they looked bang average what, at the Kassam, has to what, be said. One of the things that they're doing is not paying any of their staff any money, which helps them pay <laughs> their players. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, yeah, they, they gave Oxford a lot of space. Um, they did beat us, though. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but yeah. then, you know, it's difficult to know whether or not that was us being shit or... Well, no, it was. It was us being shit. That was classic Oxford. But um, they have clearly got the ability to win football games. Yeah, yeah, they somehow do. Uh, another team that's winning a lot of games at the minute is Doncaster Rovers. They are flying up the table. Some of the best form in the league at the minute. Four wins on the bounce. Yeah, I've never actually been up to Donny. Um, no. I probably ought to this season. I'm not sure, not sure when we've got them away. But, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, John, they, they, John Marquis on his 100th game got a brace. Oh, lovely. That's yeah. a nice little reward. Is, yeah. But they're one of those sides. They've been up and down over the over the, 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 the past few years. They've, they've kind of a bit of a bouncing around team in the Football League. But um, but yeah, so now no beef with, Don, with Donny. Well, I think probably Plymouth have some beef with them. And Plymouth have beef with most of the teams in the league because they are handed... Free, free points! Free points! Get yourself down to Home Park for some free... I mean, you know, and and as as funny as that is, like you know, <laughs> I mean, I I I, I don't want to be ragging too much on play on teams being shit in losing <laughs> football matches, but I mean, just you know, it it just saves us a little a, 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 a modicum a shred of self respect and dignity that, that <laughs> they exist because they're the one team in League One who are significant you know that yes. even worse than us so well you could hope that you pick up some <laughs> some points against them but the bottom of league one is starting to take shape with a pattern with the bottom five teams seemingly unable to win so you've got wicked wanderers in 20th and it's gillingham bradford oxford and plymouth filling yeah. the bottom spot it's looking very tough for those teams i mean plymouth still without a victory um, which is obviously a major concern. At least Oxford, Bradford have picked up a few, a few points, uh, but Plymouth now with three from their ten. Yeah, um, I mean Wickham, Wickham uh, are out of the drop zone just purely on 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 games that they've drawn. Yeah. Um, and actually, one of those was against Oxford, and, and by all accounts, I wasn't able to go to that game because I was too slow at buying my ticket. But um, they, by all accounts, Oxford ripped them apart. Um, and, and really ought to have won that game. And, and yeah. so if if Oxford are making Wickham look ordinary, you, you worry about Wickham's ability in the long term this season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the goal scored uh, total for, for those teams is not looking great. Oxford have scored 10 goals but conceded 21. Is yeah. the problem is the problem at the back before we get too much into it's all over the shop. You will hear lots of people talking about that we're failing to score goals, and we actually, whilst we might have scored that many goals, we haven't scored a lot in recent games. Um, yeah. But uh, it, 
we we are not scoring enough and we're conceding too many. <laughs> That's the fucking shot of it. That, that, is, a, that, <laughs> that is, is football how, in a nutshell, my how friend. not to do football in a nutshell. Yeah, right. Well, before we get too deep into, into Oxford uh, and, of course, Reading, let us look at the championship where West Brom, who were picked at the start of the season uh, to be right up there, have started to show that with three wins on the bounce now, putting themselves top of the table and looking very, very strong. Well, I mean, you know, those parachute payments uh, are always going to help or just, you know, residual... Premier League footballers on on contracts day. You, quite often, a, a team coming down is going is going to have a bit of a wobble to start off with, just on the basis that they're still the hangover from the shit season they had the season before. Um, but at the end of the day, um, money, investment, and high quality players is always going to win out. Yeah, right? it sounded like a cracking game uh, to be honest uh, at Preston. What's the Preston ground called? Uh, Deep Deepdale, Deepdale, Deep a cracking game. Um, I, I was watching. I was actually. I watched Gillette Sox Saturday for the first time in a long time, and although it is obnoxious in many ways, yeah, it is. It's very informative. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's very, very informative. Stats and yeah, facts and, and as much as as Jeff Stelling is a kind of like a pastiche of himself these days, as is as are most of the guys on that show. He fucking knows his onions, or even if he doesn't know his onions, he's got great set of resources and information so that he is on the spot. Every score that comes in, he knows a little history, a little story behind. And it is very impressive, I have to say. It is. I remember reading the thing, because I, 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 I saw at some point somebody had a photograph of his sheet of notes, and he has like this ridiculously complex sheet of notes, which right. is incredible. But, um, but he... He, they do. I think they do have researchers, but but he kind of prides himself, and actually, a lot of it is you know is, is the work that he does. Okay, and he says that he reckons he's the only person in the country who can, at any one single given time, tell you who the lead goal scorer for every single football club football wow. club in the in the, in the ninety two. He can tell you who the lead goal scorer is. <laughs> that is impressive because he has in his head those little stats, those yeah. little, those little facts about each one. He he remembers it, updates it every season. He's, yeah, he's clearly a, a good sports journalist that guy he is i mean a lot a lot of it is osmosis by by yeah. by, by learning living it, in uh, it. living in it exactly like for example like I, when over the years when i was doing the, the 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 football commentary on the radio um whenever we were doing reading the scores out rather than just reading out you know the half time and full time yeah. rather than just a list reading a list of numbers and the scores start blurring into one we would always say at Deepdale, Preston North End 2, so-and-so thing. At the Liberty Stadium, yeah, Swansea okay, City. Yeah, nice, yeah. But you had to learn. Yeah. So, so I, I now, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I've probably forgotten a load of them now, but it, at one point I knew all of the 92 like that. I could just tell nice. you. And that like, but, that, but that was just because you were having to do it all of the time. So... But, well, that's not trying to undermine the achievement of, of, of Jeff Stelling's significant knowledge. Uh, a lot of that, you just kind of ultimately pick it up by living in it. Yeah, well, that's true. And that is all he does, I guess. That uh, is yeah, his I, job. I did surprisingly enjoy it. So there you go. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Swansea City beat QPR 3-0. QPR were on a little bit of a, a comeback. They'd started to win some games. Uh, but that was stopped short by a very strong Swansea team. Um, yeah, fuck QPR, Bogson. Yeah, well, we've got them on Tuesday, so <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah, that so will be that will be interesting. And and everybody calls Reading a poor man's QPR anyway. Hey, come don't on, you? Now. So, come on, um, yeah, less, so. less, less of that nonsense. <laughs> uh, and up towards uh, there's only one super hoops, and it's, it's QPR. <laughs> they hate it. They hate it when Reading fans call themselves super hoops. We don't. That's re- only for them. <laughs> that just, just reminded me. Um, 
uh, <laughs> the Toledo Boxing fans got really got in a full on sweat mode. Um, there's there, there's a, a couple of teams up uh, in the Greater Manchester area uh, called Osset Albion right. and Osset Town, um, and they were both kind of like uh, like tier eight, you no know, tier seven, eight or nine, something like that in the football pyramid. Yeah. Um, but it was unsustainable having two teams. So they they were big rivals, but they've actually recently merged. And they've recently merged to become Osset United, um, and they came out. And so they've got they've got like their own social media presence, and they started using the hashtag OUFC. Oh dear! And it's really funny. Like loads of Oxford fans got really sweaty and pathetic yeah. about it. How <laughs> dare you? We were the fucking only OUFC, and like and they were loving it. The Osset yeah. United people were loving it. And I they bet were absolutely they were. Ripping. They were saying that there's only one OUFC <laughs> and stuff like that. Cause, <laughs> and like I mean, I think fair play to them. I mean. It's impractical for them to use the AUFC yes. hashtag yes. because Oxford are, are extremely well followed on Twitter, yeah. uh, more so than most teams at that the kind of League One level. And so any Osset United tweets is just going to get lost. Sure. There's no point in them doing but it. It's but at great, the same time, it's funny. Great bit of bands yeah, from the Osset United boys. And there is a, there's a guy who's on Twitter who's an Oxford United fan who actually lives up there who's now gone to start seeing them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, what's he going to do? He doesn't know what he's doing anymore. Uh, so funny. Uh, Excellent work. So yeah, the other the other interesting thing that's happening in the championship is that is that the uh, also fancied Leeds United have have stumbled of late. They came out of the blocks fast, and I think you actually predicted this on one of the uh, early podcasts that maybe they wouldn't quite enjoy that Indian summer for very long, and that has proven to be the case with now three three draws and a loss in their last <clears> five. The thing with uh, the thing with Leeds as well is it's quite a it's quite a volatile place. I mean, they've got a new owner now, which which you know they've got rid of that. Cellini or whatever oh, the guy yeah, is in yeah, like yeah. an absolute yeah. nutcase yeah. Uh, but it's still a quite a volatile place um, and and also they Leeds United are tainted by this similar kind of brush to say Oxford United and I pick a couple of others like West Ham uh, clubs who success cannot crystallise itself around those clubs <laughs> yeah. for very long without something terrible going yeah. wrong yeah it's true um, and, and they always feel kind of cursed like that Leeds Um you know they had they had a short spell at the top, like bankrolled as they were by yeah. um, what's his name, um, Peter Risdale. Yeah, it was a long time. Um, yeah, no. And and then everything went horribly tits up as a result of that, and and that will continue to be the case just because that's kind of the kind of club they are. Yeah, like Newcastle as well. You know, <laughs> poor old Newcastle. Um, well, poor old Newcastle fans, I would say. Yeah. Um, uh, also worth of worth noting a little cheeky mensch uh, for Norwich. Uh, who have gone on a nice little run themselves and picked up a fantastic uh, victory this week. They beat Wigan Athletic at home with a sort of, I think it was like an 88th minute penalty or something like that. Uh, so, very, very nice victory. So, such a kind of unfashionable team, aren't they, Norwich? Cause, cause when, are they the Tractor Boys? No, that's Ipswich. Oh, that's Ipswich. What, the Canaries. What, oh, the Canaries, yeah. Because like, um, um, Norwich are. Um, when they were in the Premier League or in the top flight, they were always like the kind of lower end, like slightly yeah. smaller yeah. scale. Jeremy Goss, remember though? Yeah, yeah. yeah those like were the it. days. Um, and but now when now they're out of the Premier League, they 
they, they they don't even feel like a big boy who's kind of no you know they they they, yeah, they, they fit in the championship. It's been they? a long time since they were up there at the top. It Similar has. to Leeds, right? Yeah, it, yeah. it's it's something that you and I remember, but they're probably not a lot of fans. But it's just a, it's such an unfashionable end of the country as it well. Really I is. mean, not not so a, fucking hard to get to. I know, and not at all helped by Alan Partridge either. No. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. Uh, down towards the bottom of the league, um, Preston starting to uh, starting to struggle there. They didn't start too badly, but they have now lost four on the bounce, which puts them bottom of the table, which is nice for us. Uh, Millwall also struggling with four out of five losses, only the one victory. And Ipswich now uh, the only team in the league without a win, six draws and four losses, taking up the last relegation spot. Yeah, Ipswich must have been in the championship for a really long time. Yeah, I think so. Um, they must they, they haven't been up to the Premier League since like 95 John, or 6 John or Yeah, I mean that would have been the 90s, wasn't yeah. it? They were the yeah. last time they were they were up there. So they they must and I don't I don't remember them having gone down to league. They might have gone down to league, but I don't remember that happening. So yeah. They feel like they've been there. Around the and I don't ages. think they're going to be going up this year, but no. they might be going down. Let's see. Uh, and Reading finding themselves out of the relegation zone. Outrageous. Yeah. Absolutely outrageous. After, after a win and a draw this week. Uh, so all looking pretty good. And what we'll do then, we'll take a little break. And when we come back, we will dissect the latest goings on at the Kassam and the Madeski. So we'll be back in one moment. Carl Robinson here. People tell me this is just a podcast. But it's so much more than that. Well, that kind of passion that old Carly Robs was showing when he was down at uh, the MK Don's not really happening uh, at the Kassam. No, and his um his history at MK Don's um led to him being booed uh, <laughs> by the AFC Wimbledon supporters for, for obvious reasons. Um, uh, which is probably good because it drowned out the Oxford fans. <laughs> um, so but, what happened then uh, down at uh, King's Meadow? Well, so before we go, that was a very quick brief mention of the Man City game on Tuesday night. Oh, yeah. Um, I completely forgot. The game that you were being very, very, uh, well, well typic, typically Andy about. Well, I mean... <laughs> You've got to enjoy that kind of thing. You can't. No, 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 no. There's a time and a place to enjoy that kind of game. When your team is fucking shit, there is no enjoyment to okay. be had yeah. from okay. being, you know, by, oh, look at the sparkly lights. Ah. Yeah. Like, I mean, when your team's doing okay or playing well and you get the opportunity to play against a big Premier League side, then there's there's a sense of a kind of enjoyment. It's a it's a bit of a break. It's a bit of time out yeah. and stuff. But all I'm all I'm sat there worrying during that whole thing was worrying about how all of, how all of this is going to affect us in the league. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. and also it's a bloody nightmare. Like, I got there at half five, Right. And they were turning people away from the car parks. And oh, I'm like, the Jesus. fucking overflow car parks. So the whole thing was a complete shambles. Right, okay. we, we, we've had capacity crowds a hundred times in the last kind of five years. Yeah. And and yet they couldn't seem to manage it. And there was miscommunication all over the place. Oh, and it dear. was, it was a, the whole thing was a complete shambles. We also had this ridiculous situation because they, um, based on policing uh, requests, they'd blocked off behind the North Stand to stop people from intermingling with the Man City fans. Like, oh, okay. Like, like, there'd be some problems with that. It was ridiculous. But yeah. um, either way, they did that to try and manage the crowd. Um, but after the game, the Man City coach had already kind of pulled up against the players' exit and then they'd barriered off the bit where the Man City players were going to be coming out. Right. And so you, you the, all the fans from one end of the ground and the other end of the ground, couldn't go around the back of the stadium, so they all had to go around this bit. Half oh, of that had geez. been blocked off by the coach. Yeah. So they were, basically, apparently, there's a massive crush like that. So the whole thing was handled really badly. Yeah. Uh, on the pitch, 
I mean, on the pitch, I thought we played pretty well. I think um, City fielded quite a strong side by the looks of the lineup. They did. I mean, they changed ten players, but it was still, but it was yeah, still, it was still a lot, team. still a lot of very, very good players in that in that side. Um, they, um, but the, yes, they they fielded a strong team, which they tend to do in the cups yeah. uh, under yeah. under Guardiola. So so fair enough for that. But um, we we set up quite defensively. I thought I actually thought I think Carl Robinson broadly got our tactics pretty right in that game. Um, Man City never got our second gear. Right. admittedly but there were a couple of op- couple of times after we'd gone a goal down there was a couple of times particularly the second half when we actually started putting some pressure on them we started getting forward and in, in creating some openings the trouble was that those were the moments that because we'd done that we'd overcommitted ourselves got a bit excited as Carl Robinson said yeah um and it was quite frightening watching Man City going oh look there's a tiny bit of space right boom exploit goal yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. just insane yeah. um, the, the level of di- the, is utterly ridiculous um, but but yeah so but you know so I mean that, that was what it what was what was the final score? it was 3-0 in the end okay, okay. Um, but I mean it it didn't feel like a 3-0 game um, they did have like 17 shots oh, or something geez, ridiculous okay. but not really not, a lot of them are speculative though yeah, yeah, like, yeah um, uh, Mares just kept like just kept walloping the ball every time he got the ball so right. like, half their shots are just really well he's not getting much of a chance at the minute is he so I guess he was looking for an opportunity to make a name for himself huh? yeah he was and he, he did score at the end but um, again those they were goals that no he scored the second one I think but they were just um, breakaway goals is probably unfair um, but you know they were because we had overcommitted yes. ourselves and we, yeah, we'd yeah. broken out of that kind of fairly kind of. I think that's often unit. the trick, isn't it? When a team is 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 set up to defend, it's all well and good when you can defend, yeah. but then when you can't, you've not really gone forward and made enough chances for yourself. So I can see that City are probably very used to teams playing like that. Yeah, very them. much. And when we were being one nil up, it was the right thing to because because Carl Robinson. Um, uh, it was almost apologetic afterwards saying we kind of got a bit, you know, we got a bit hot-headed and kind of, you know, got a bit overexcited and went forward. And was like, oh, Jesus Christ, you're 1-0 down why in, not? in a cup game. Why not? Because yeah. you might get something. And and so it was the right thing to do. We just They were just much, much better than us, as is most of the League ones. Yeah. <laughs> so a little sideshow then in, in midweek. And then back to basics on on Saturday with an away trip down to Wimbledon. Yeah, um, and you know a lot a lot of been ma- a lot has been made about team selection um, from Carl Robinson. So, for example, he had um, Shandon Baptiste, uh, who who's absolutely incredible. Right, yeah. he uh, he was made captain for the Man City game, which everyone's saying, oh, a masterstroke from Carl Robinson. Actually, turns out Carl Robinson admitted this himself, but actually the um, uh, Curtis Nelson, former captain, and John Senior, the current captain, actually said, "said give it to him, give him a chance to be captain against Man City." Okay, uh, which was a great thing. Um, he and by the way, actually, Shandon Baptiste was excellent against Manchester City. Even even a lot of our even a lot of our best players, like Ricky Holmes, for example, in terms of sorry, most talented players, yeah. uh, like Ricky Holmes, looked pretty ordinary against them. Shandon Baptiste at a genuine like chunks of that game. Almost looked on a level with some of the players. He he was competing legitimately with them. Yeah, I'm not saying he's as good as them by any stretch of the imagination. Sure, but he didn't but look out of his league. He, he did not look out of his league. Uh, he honestly, he's he is such a talent. It's ridiculous. Um, but he didn't get a start, and he yesterday. didn't start yesterday. And um, Robinson had said it's because he's knackered. Um, he said it was a, a just a, a fatigue thing. Right. Um, but but either way, a lot of our, you know. People raising questions as well. Well, okay, so you know, 
fine, stick him, stick him in his captain against Man City. Wonderful thing for his for his morale and all of those kind of things, his personal development. But actually, we've got a fucking serious situation at the moment. And if he didn't have the legs to do that whole game and then the Saturday game, well, I'm sorry, but he's one of our most important players. Yeah, you've got to he put the league game. He should be fucking Saturday game. Yeah, you've um, got to put the league game first. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and. So, so that was that was frustrating because he was also making other changes in in uh, like putting like Sam Long in like like back back into the side. So like a young Oxford lad who's been really horribly beset by injuries, right. and he replaced Cameron Norman. And the, the Cameron Norman situation's a bit weird because he was the person who played whoever the fuck it was who played last Saturday on side. Um, they all blur into one. Night <laughs> yeah, um, they totally do. But anyway, um, so a lot of question marks about the team selection. Um, Brannigan was back though, which was a plus. Uh, Brannigan was back, yeah. So he took a pretty, I think it was a head injury that he took against Wickham a couple of weeks ago. Um, right. So it's nice to see him back. Um, and he scored a goal as well. It was a really nice little goal as well. A nice little kind of interplay between him and John Abeeker. He kind of ran okay. through like a one, like a one-two kind of situation. Yeah, really, really good finish as well. That showing what John Abeeker is really good at, yeah. which I don't think a lot of Oxford players see, because the problem is what they're seeing is that he's not scoring any goals. But actually, he's not that kind of striker. He's not a goal-scoring striker. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. never had a prolific goal-scoring record. Um, he will create things and create space for other for if other, other players are running on and overlapping. Him, yeah. yeah, I mean the biggest problem that we have is a, is a side is that in the moment our because we've got those three attacking mid, attacking players behind the striker. And I can't remember if I spoke about this in the last one, but we're not getting that into yes, that, that yeah, yeah, interlink between the, the the central one, the number ten in the striker. They're not partnering. Yeah. Um. So so that's so that's a problem with us for us. I mean, it, at the moment, it it feels pretty desperate because um, you know, again, by all accounts. We created some opportunities um, and we had possession and territory in that game, but we are not creating any chances and we're not scoring any goals. And we're giving away silly cheap goals as well. And these are fundamental basics that, that we're not managing to do right at the moment. Um, and I think, uh, Carl Robinson is now under enormous amounts of pressure. Well, he came out again, as he often does, uh, and said said all the right sort of media friendly things didn't he after the game and he does uh, it's a, it's a bit like um it's a bit like Clement at Reading they seem to be quite good they've all been to the media training basically and they say the right things but the problem is 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 anything behind that is there anything well, behind that that really does he truly understand what's going wrong well the thing the the the, pro, the, the problem with Robinson at the moment actually is that he's he's well, actually no, at the moment He's relatively lucid in his post match interviews, and that's because his brain's basically given up. To give it two, <laughs> two three games ago, um, he was all absolutely fucking all over the shop. Yeah. Absolutely all over the shop in his post match interviews. Uh, he would interrupt himself halfway through his answers because his brain's not wired properly right. like that. But um, you actually sit down and anal analyze and assess what he's actually said in the post match interviews in the last couple of games. And actually, to be honest with most of the season, is that he's basically saying. Um, uh, He's always looking for somebody else, for somewhere yeah. else to put the blame. So in the start of the, the, the interview um, yesterday, uh, he said, I am, yeah, the players have given everything. They couldn't have given anything more in that game. Yeah. At the end of his interview, he said, it's time for the players to step, step up and take responsibility. <laughs> and there's this massive <laughs> lack of consistency in yeah. what he's saying. And that goes back to exactly what yeah. you're saying, is you're worried that he doesn't really know 
what's going on. He's quite often, on a number of occasions in post-match interviews, he's turned around and said, what more can I do? I'm doing this. It's been That's successful. a bad sign, isn't what it? What more can I do? And and people would be more reassured, right? If he was going on there saying, look, we're not scoring enough goals. We're not scoring enough goals because the interchange between these players isn't working. We've been working on that in training. That's not working. So we're going to try some other things in training. We've got a plan to try and fix those things. Yeah. So, you know, bear with us. We will get this right. It just might take a bit of time for us to get there. He's not saying anything like that. There's no reassuring words coming out of his mouth. All he's saying is, I want other people to take up, step up and take responsibility what else can I do when this happens look we're going out there and we're bossing games and we're not scoring goals and he's almost kind of like it's like a metaphorical shrug to the camera shrug to the camera he's going don't know then I was like mate you're the fucking person who's employed to do that like so so do you really think do you really think that his position's in danger then now I mean I don't know because I don't know enough about Tiger and what he's like in that kind of sorry for some telling yeah. answer because I, I don't know what he's like as a, as a chairman and if, if he's going to be the kind of person who's you know f- you know firing you know like you know shooting from the hip or whatever um he you know he is his manager you know he's the guy he he appointed so he will have to take some responsibility for what Carl Robinson does which which leads me to believe he was he's less likely to fire him quickly if, if than if Robinson was already in place when he took over, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think I think he's safe safer than he might have been in that respect. Um the the problem the biggest problem is is he's lost the fans or he's he's losing and or has lost the fans. And there's plenty of supporters who were, you know, you've got to give somebody at least half a season, if not a full season, before you can properly judge them. Yeah. Um, lots of people who were saying that are now saying, "Fuck it, I've run out of patience. Get rid of him." Right. Um, so, yeah. so, and that, and that's part of his, partly his demeanor and his personality, and the fact that he's not very good at it, it kind of reassuring people in his post-match interviews, and the fact that he does tend to lay the blame at other people's feet too much. That that. It, I, I, I sometimes I have a little sympathy, not sympathy, pity, right? Maybe um, <laughs> with with somebody who with somebody who's who's not naturally good at understanding the slick answers to give, if that makes sense. Um, somebody who's not naturally good at just kind of keeping their head level yeah. and stuff yeah. like that, because it, it's unfair. To, it's unfair necessarily. It might be unfair to judge him as a football manager based on his personality and demeanor, right? But at the same time, you wonder what his personality and demeanor and his kind of scatty headedness yeah. is doing for the for the players. Because because yeah. it is that's yeah. his personality. That's who he is, and so you get the impression that's what's going on in the changing room as well. Well, that's the problem is that you 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 can only judge him based on what you see in the media, but there's there's bound to be a certain element of that that is happening in the training ground as well. And if he's not clear with the media, is he being clear with the players? And this is one of the things that I think is is really. You know, it's the, the, the classic cliche is is that um, you are. Um, I've completely forgotten what I was going to say now. I'm talking about Carl Robinson being shit. I think. Um, but no, like um, you, yeah. It, fo- football. Um, you know, the most difficult thing to do in football is 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 how to how to react when when your team is losing. Right? Yeah. Is that is the real test of a of a manager? Um, and 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 I said I think I said this a while ago on here. Um, he feels like Chris Wilder in that respect. Chris Wilder, fucking best, one of the best managers you could possibly have when things are going your way. 
He's shown he's shown that he showed that at Oxford. He's shown it in Northampton Town. He's shown it um, at Sheffield United as well. When things are going your way, his teams tend to go on big long runs because he's a great manager. When things are going your way, yeah. shit. When things are going against him, because he can't handle that. And I get the impression that's the same with Carl Robinson. I reckon his kind of kind of slightly crazy headedness and stuff like that, his effervescence and his enthusiasm and all of that. When things are going your well going going well for you they come out in a positive way i reckon for a player that's a great manager to yeah, have because yeah. he'll make you all feel good about yourselves but when things are going badly for you his personality gets in the way and in i don't think he's got the the natural capability to deal with that and that is that again it's unfortunate because that's his that's his personality but sometimes personalities stop people being good football managers because it's so much about who you are as a person. Yeah. It really is. Um, so that I mean, that's my biggest concern for him is I don't think he has got the personality or the or the brain to 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 be able to turn a situation like this around. I don't think he'll get sacked yet. Uh, I mean, I, and I'm not calling for his head yet. I mean, if he if he got sacked tomorrow, I wouldn't I wouldn't lose any sleep over sure. it. Um, but but I, I I've I've seen teams perform worse and be in worse situations than Oxford uh, later in the season and turn around and go on. And yeah, exactly. Fine. I don't so, think I don't think you have to worry too much at the moment. But looking forward, what are you expecting on on Tuesday night against Luton? So Luton Town games are always big games. Um, there's always a lot behind them. We had we had a bit of crossover when they dropped out of the football league, and just just before we got we we got promoted back out of the um, conference. So we had a bit of time when we were the two big clubs in the conference. Um, so we had a big rivalry over that. Yeah, uh, it was actually really good fun. Um, yeah. So you know, it, it's they're 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 an easy team to 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 dislike Luton, <laughs> L- largely because because the town is the birthplace of the EDL and. Yeah. Stuff yeah, like that, yeah, you know. Yeah, so, okay. so there's there's lots of reasons to to to, to take against Luton as it is as a football team. Um, but but I, I enjoy our rivalry yeah. with them. Well, maybe with, that's another good thing because that will you know that will galvanise the team perhaps. And 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 that's yeah, and that's what that's what we need. We want the team. We want a game where there's a big crowd and the in in the play the fans are massively behind the team because of who the opposition are. Yes, not yeah, because yeah. they they've got they're they, behind yeah, the team so much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so that is potentially what we need. Um, but I I I, I mean like they. Luton have got Danny Hilton. I mean, he's been out injured, but he was um, he was uh, incredible for us in our promotion season. Right. He's the guy's an absolute maniac. He's like a completely Im- unpredictable, <laughs> loose wire, shit housing kind of crazy <laughs> footballer. So, it's so much fun to watch. And then he went down to Luton because they paid him a bit more money, and he knew he was going to get first team football there, right. and has banged in like thirty goals a season for them. Um, and you know he's going to come of back course, from injury it always and score happens. a fucking hat trick against us. It always happens. Well, fingers crossed for the youths on Tuesday night. Then, yeah. Uh, and coming down, uh, coming down south, just a little ways over the downs to uh, to the Thames Valley Royals. <laughs> I forgot. I don't know why I'm calling them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Reading continued to 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 turn things around. I think I think the general vibe has changed a little bit. Once we had that excellent victory against Hull, uh, followed that up with a draw against Brentford this weekend. Brentford up in sixth place, I think fifth before the before the game, and a game that Reading almost won, uh, conceding just in the ninety second minute or something. Uh, and it seems that it seems that uh, Clement has found a way now. 
And it, it's interesting what how context makes a difference, doesn't it, to a football match? Because the previous couple of results um, leading into a game where you concede a late equaliser yeah. um, makes that it's conceding a late equaliser. Ah, we nearly won yeah, that game. Yeah, yeah. Had you had a couple of really bad results oh, yeah. in there, that would have been throwing a lead away. Yeah. So the, that context is is enormous, but it's not just enormous how on how us as supporters see it but how those Reading players will be thinking about that game as well. Yes. And that psychology is fucking massive because that you yeah. feel like you maybe have turned a little bit of a corner in that respect. We, we talked about it last week, I think, when we were talking about the, the psychology of small incidents that happen. Yeah. And I was talking about the uh, the goal versus... Uh, forgotten who it was. <laughs> These games really do blend They really do. One. I'm really rubbish <laughs> at remembering stuff like that. Uh, where we scored and then conceded almost instantly. I think it was Sheffield Wednesday, or Sheffield United, perhaps. Anyway... That moment was so it was so low for me. That was the lowest point of the season so far, but in a way, I think that's helped us because I think in that in that moment, the one thing that I think perhaps made the difference there was that in the the moment that we scored, that Liam Moore got the equaliser and the crowd got behind the team. Clement was like, "Oh fuck, the crowd can help us. The crowd could actually help us, you yeah. know." And if we start to give the crowd something. They might pull us through. And I have noticed that actually since that game, he's been mentioning the support a lot more in his interviews. Yeah. Support was great. The fans are really doing a great job behind us. And he specifically talked about it in the Brentford game and said the away fans were amazing. And I think he's realising, fuck, if I could just get the crowd on side, maybe some of these results wouldn't seem quite so bad. Uh, and, and because we're scoring a few goals now as well, it's starting to happen. Yeah, you know? there's there's a word of warning about that kind of approach that for a manager to 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 constantly talk up, not constantly to talk up the supporters because if you do it all of the time, it loses its meaning. Sure, and yeah. every single fucking game since he came here, um, Carlson's been, oh, been banging on about. I can't believe how amazing these fans are. Right from the word go, yeah, I got here, yeah. and I was always even when when you know I look forward talks would come into play the teams I used to play because play when I used to manage them because it's great to have them. It's like all he ever does is bang on about how great the fans are. Yeah. It's like, all right, mate. Yeah, get, yeah. We, we get it. We're yeah. fucking amazing. We know we are. We're also really attractive as well. But <laughs> go out there and fucking win some football games. Yeah. Well, maybe Clement's being a bit smarter about yeah. it because in one of the earlier games, I think uh, was the home game against Bolton that we lost, and he came out and said, "Yeah, the crowd were flat today, and we didn't help. Yeah, we didn't help bring yeah, them yeah. up." So he is giving it a balance, and I think he he's starting to realise what needs to be done. The other thing he's realising is that we need to be playing this new guy, the Iranian chap. Ezzetlahi in midfield because he played a full 90 Mm -hmm. against Brentford and once again did a fantastic job. I think as the season goes on, if he can cement that role, it will give us the chance to bring Swift in. And I'm always talking about Swift needing to be given some freedom and not having to track back and do all those jobs. And if the other players in midfield, if Bakuna and Ezzetlahi can be that solid central pairing then maybe we can afford to have Swift playing. And I think if we can afford to have him playing, it will help us a lot. It's it's interesting actually. And just to take a quick diversion back to Oxford about individual players, um, and 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 I've, I have felt with Oxford, I don't think there's much. There, there, there's a few things that need to change, but it's a couple of bits of personnel, yeah. and we have got a couple of players coming back. Interesting person coming back is Sammy Carruthers, who we have on loan from Sheffield United, yeah. who got injured twenty minutes into the first game of the season, so he's back training now. Um, he could be back in. So it might be the little people like that yeah. make a difference, like yep. this Iranian chap yep. at Reading, who's just kind of just just their presence is enough, just to kind of just 
open things up a little bit for other people. I really don't think it. I think the difference between the teams, like you know where you are, like like Reading, Reading are in the middle to bottom as it goes in the Championship, and Oxford are in you know similar sort of spot. But I think when you're within those say six seven teams, there's not much between them. I really think small differences. You yeah. know, a player here or a player there, a slight change in formation. It's, it's not going to be much that, that separates those sides. No. And so anytime you do see a player with a little bit of something about him or a player that starts to come good for you, it's going to make all all the difference. Uh, Reading, of course, still have Gareth McCleary, who's a bit of a club legend, coming back from injury. He's constantly coming back from injury. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we've got a few of them. <laughs> whenever he's back, he's out again and he's coming yeah. back again. But there is a chance. It'd be lovely to see him again and hopefully he's still got some of the skills. But it'd be fantastic that'd be like having a new player come yeah. back into the side but all in all things looking a little bit rosier down um, at the mad stands yeah and, and, and John Daddy's scoring and Swift the daddy's scoring. knocking him in yeah I think the Swift goal uh, I I haven't seen it because I didn't get around to watching my uh, quest quite yet um, but apparently it was it was probably a John Daddy goal I think it got given for Swift it was another free kick he is fucking good at the old free kicks yeah. but I think it hit the bar and it was maybe controversially over the line then Daddy bundled it in right, okay. the good thing is that that uh, Bod Varson is finding himself in the right spot and he yeah. seems to have a little bit of a knack these days of getting a goal so that is very encouraging and that and that is what we currently do not have. We do not have people just tucking the ball away from like half chances or or, or just like bundling clumsy ones over yeah. the line or anything like that. Weirdly, that is that's exactly what we're missing. Not no longer having Wes Thomas. That that every every people were ripping him last season, um, and yet he was exactly that. He's the kind of person who will nip up in the right place at the right time at a moment when you're least expecting it and just nab a, a little goal like that. Is there not an option to have Baptiste a little bit further up the field and for, to, for him to be that man? He's clearly a guy that can score a goal. Uh, I, mean, he's play, I mean, he's playing actually. He's playing from very deep. He's yeah. playing like the defensive the t- defensive position, the defensive midfielder positions. He's clearly but, got the skills though. It's a bit he, like, it's a bit has, like Bakuna but, at but, Reading. You, these are players that you could see moving further up the field. We've got, but the thing is we've got, we've got a dozen of those players. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that is, we, you know, we're not, we're not, Missing out on 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 highly talented attacking players, you know, um, Gavin White, I think is probably the the best, the ideal candidate for that. But this guy, this guy is only is he's brand new in professional football. You know, he's just come over from the League of Ireland. Yeah. He, this is he's he's doing incredibly well given given you know where he's come from. Yeah. But well, it could be a Kevin Doyle story. See, the same thing happened to him when he came to Reading. The, one of the troubles with that is, is that Carl Robinson would have to change his setup, and he's not going to do right. that. Yeah, he's going to stick with the one yeah. man on top. And if it's Obita, he's not going to be a guy that's going to get you twenty goals a season, is it? No, he's not. A beaker, sorry. Yeah, uh, he's not. But you know, he should be unlocking those other those other attacking players. Yeah. It's just not happening. So. Well, we shall see. The games come thick and fast. Uh, Luton Town for Oxford on Tuesday night. The same uh, s- same fixture slot. Reading are at home to QPR, which is always a fun game uh, so I think two two exciting games for for the two Thames Valley clubs this week yeah I'm very looking forward to the Luton game uh, even though we're rubbish you know it's, it's, it's the kind it's the kind of it is the kind of game that can turn a season round. Yeah, genuinely well, is. Let's hope it is so I think that's it for this week uh, it's time for you to say goodbye Andy bye and it's time for us to say goodbye as well. Please find us, worldypod at gmail.com. Uh, you can find worldypod on Instagram and Twitter and all those other places. And we will see you next time on the Worldy Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>